Hey everybody, welcome to the first episode of the Most Extreme Elimination Homestead. This podcast is all about the crazy stuff that I deal with in my everyday. We're going to do guests, but we're mostly going to do homestead related stuff, freedom related stuff, a little bit of anarchy related stuff. Um, My influences are... The 40 different podcasts I listen to. So we'll have to have an individual episode about that. But a little bit about myself. I'm a family man. I am a small business owner. I am a full-blown anarchist. But a practical anarchist, not a theoretical anarchist. That's something we'll go into, too. I love coffee. I have a bunch of kids. Tons of kids. Uh, married to one wife that I'm going to stick with forever. And then I have like a around a three to seven acre homestead. Maybe ten acres. Maybe more than that. Uh, you don't really need to know the details of the size because I believe in OPSEC. So that's going to influence our show quite a bit. So there will be a ton of questions that are posed to me by listeners that I absolutely will not answer because I don't believe in giving away all my secrets. But anything homestead-related, I was a part of the government for a long time, and now I absolutely don't believe in it because of how evil they are. So that's something interesting that we'll talk about a lot Um, and how that influences my decisions as far as freedom goes, as far as... um, Everything homesteading related goes. So, about my homestead. What do I love about the homestead? The reason I homestead is because I am a hardcore conspiracy theorist. And so, what does that entail? Well, if you're a hardcore conspiracy theorist, you believe the food system's jacked up. You believe the monetary system's jacked up. You probably believe uh, that the... um, Political, obviously you believe the political system is jacked up. You probably believe most of the religious system is jacked up, which I totally do, but I don't claim to have all the answers on that. I just know what um, what I believe, and I will freely tell you that. And if you guys want to tell me what you believe, um, you're certainly welcome to it. Uh, but the cool thing about this show is I don't have to listen to any of the crazies out there telling me that I'm wrong or that um, I'm an idiot for doing this and all that stuff that you normally get from posting on like a blog, you know, a podcast. It's really all about getting as much information out as you can. And that's what I love to do. So I'm always doing a new project. I am really trying to get more self-sufficient all the time. So I love to do self-sufficiency projects. I um, I like to um, spread the knowledge of like homesteading, conspiracy, um, and I I love conspiracy. I like just the fact that it's conspiracy. Like I like that. I like that uh, that there is people out there who know the truth and are trying to get it out, you know, and I want to be one of those people. So I'm tired of sitting on the sidelines 
listening to all these other people trying to tell me how it goes and they're they're pretty right on but they're not quite I don't know they're just there's just not enough voices out there we need some more people out there if you want to start a podcast all about um, getting free and that's what everything goes back to is freedom and so that's what we'll get back to every time that's why I will spend my entire time trying to prove to you that what I believe is the truth, and if you can disprove it, then I would love that. So, um, if you hate everything I believe in, you should definitely listen to the show, and every time I post a show, you should email me all the crazy stuff that I'm doing wrong. My email is not a real at protonmail.com. Uh, protonmail is like one of those big, uh, big time like privacy email websites, so if you don't have a protonmail, you should get one. Because the government's reading all your emails anyways. At least a little encryption helps jumble up the mess for them. So, if you can get a Proton Mail, awesome. If you can't, no big deal. Just keep using that uh, government-issued Google email. Because let's face it, the government has access to all your Google Mail. And they might have access to your Gmail, too. Today, I'm drinking green tea. Why? Because I had too much coffee. I'm trying to get some work done, and I don't want to be jittery. Anyway, so that's what this podcast is going to be about. Um, I'm going to start off doing some just out there crazy shows and try and get some people to start listening. And then once they do, I'm going to start uh, trying to get some guests on. So you guys email me, notareal at protonmail.com. And if you can't figure out how to spell protonmail, I can't help you there. That's going to be it's just above your pay grade then to email me if you can't figure out how to spell it. Anyways, you guys hook me up with some emails with some podcast ideas. We're going to start out. I'm going to do an episode on how to start a homestead. The first projects I think you should do on a homestead. And I will tell you how I did it and how I messed it up and how I could have done things different and the things I did right. Awesome. And we will get there. This is the first episode, so I can't wait to do the next one. Hey, welcome to another episode of Most Extreme Elimination Homestead. Um, So what we wanted to talk about today is the things I would do different and the things I would do the same. And just some ideas of how to start off your homestead. First thing we need to consider is the size and how long you're going to be at your homestead. So, if this is your permanent homestead, then we're going to do some things different than if this is not your permanent homestead. But first, let's go over the things that I would do on any homestead. First thing I would do is I would get up a perimeter fence. Um, For those of you guys out there who would rather never have to deal with Johnny Law again, like I am just regular old peace-loving anarchist Um, one of the big things is a a gate a big front gate you want your gate closed so you want to save up get you a gate closer but a gate doesn't do a whole lot of good if you don't have a perimeter fence and so some things that I would do 
different is I would make sure that I had a perimeter fence first thing. First thing. So the first thing I did when I got mine was got goats. That was a dumb idea. Yeah. Goats are goats are very valuable in the homestead. But getting goats before you have a perimeter fence is like Yeah. It's like getting goats before you have a perimeter fence. I can't compare it to anything out there. It's the dumbest thing I probably did on my homestead. Um, so, if you want to get started, get established, the two big things, the very first things I would do is get a perimeter fence set up and get your orchard going because trees take five to seven years to fruit. If that, I mean, you may not, if you've got bad soil, it may take even longer than that, especially if your first round of them die because you don't know what you're doing, which is usually the case with all new projects on the homestead. So, um, what kind of fence do you want to get? Well, what can you afford? Because a fence is going to be your first line of defense. So if you're a prepper, which not everybody that listens to this is, some of you guys listen for the anarchy, some of you guys listen for the homesteading. And some of you guys listen for the prepping, which means you probably listen for all of that stuff. So, I went with a sheep and goat resistant fence. It's about 48 inches tall, and it will keep in sheep and goats. And I've proven it. I've had escape artist goats, and they won't jump it. They stay in it. I made it really tight. I did it right. Big giant posts at the corners made it pretty tight, and so they can't go under it. I ran electric wire around the bottom, and I'm going to run it around the top. The big thing about electric wire is if you're going to eventually run uh, poultry netting or any type of like movable electric fence, you might as well have electricity around your perimeter. Um, so I guess this episode will mostly be a fencing episode but that's okay so big thing perimeter fence needs to be able to keep anything in that you would ever consider getting so one thing i didn't consider but i'm now considering and it sounds crazy is emus and i will do a whole episode on that if i ever decide i'm going to start going that way but let's just say a 48 fence is the bare minimum for emus but you might want to even do a little more than that. But anyways, so there's a house in the city, the near city to me, that is like probably a half acre lot, maybe a one acre lot. I'm not positive, but they have two emus in the backyard in like probably like a 50 by 80 area. And they look healthy, fine. Their feathers aren't all ruffled there. They don't look fat or anything or overweight or anything. So I just thought that was interesting. <laughs> interesting little deal. They keep it in the city. And I'm sure there's no code against emus because nobody even knows really that that's even a possibility around here. But anyways, so I was talking about fencing and I got off on emus. But I wish I would have left. I wish I would have gotten... Uh, Slightly taller T-post, maybe. Because, 
I, if I ever go with emus, I might be pushing it. Or a camel. If I go with a camel, I might be pushing it. But probably not interested in a camel just yet. But that's something else down the road. You guys look into emus and camels if you want. We'll have a we'll try and have a guest on about emus and camels one of these days. Um, so uh, sheep and goat fence will if you can keep goats in, it'll keep pretty much anything in. It won't keep chickens in, baby chicks. It'll keep bigger chickens in that can't fly, but it won't keep baby chicks in. Um, so you got your perimeter fence up. Now you're putting your gate on. For now, just get a gate. Just get any gate. A cheap gate off Craigslist or whatever. Make sure your posts are good that you're going to hang your gate on. But just get you a cheap gate to get you by until you get the gate that you really want. So let's get our fence up. Let's get our gate up. Now let's talk orchard um to start your orchard you want to find somebody online who's going to give you a list of trees that do good in your area and most every area has like a garden show or something like that that you can call into and just ask them for where you can find the local list um if not you can call your county extension office i try to avoid government at all costs but just call them. Don't give them any information. Just say, hey, I need a list of fruit trees that are good in the area so I can develop an orchard. It's like, I mean, plum trees, it's like if you get them uh, bare root, you may be five to seven years even for a plum tree to produce fruit. So let's get these things in the ground and get them going. Um, now, now we're into the fun stuff. If I was to start over on livestock got my perimeter fence up i would still do goats now you may be saying you're wrong and i probably am wrong but i would still do goats because you need to keep your area cleared if it's not cleared you need to start clearing it and goats is the best way to do that but i would get them young and i would train them on electric fence and I would put two layers of electric fence between them and the outside. And I would use movable netting and I would move it. I'd make very small pastures and I'd move it every couple, you know, every week or so. Because um, one thing we'll talk about later is high intensity rotational grazing. And that is super good for your soil. And if you live anywhere in the Midwest or probably even in the South, um, you probably have no topsoil left because the the government usually bought it all up to make roads and bridges and all that stuff because if you live in a clay area clay's not good for um construction of giant bridges and stuff it's just not it heaves too much for freezing and all that stuff it's just not good so they don't like to use clay they like to steal all the topsoil from the local area and use that to make the bridges and stuff and the farmers didn't know any better because they were into commercially commercial agriculture at that time has just it just really started to get big into the fertilizer and pesticide stuff so who needs soil when you can just spray food on your crops right i'm being sarcastic but anyways so um get those goats going get them in tiny little areas and move them often if you can move them daily, that's awesome because you can put them in a way smaller area if you can move them daily. You want it to you want them to eat about two thirds of the vegetation, 
and then you want to move them and then eat, let them eat two-thirds of the vegetation and then move them um that, we'll get into that let's let's go back to int rotational intensive rotational grazing here after a while but um goats i would do maybe 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 how how much stress can you handle is the question i would ask myself before i got goats because goats are stinking stressful um goats are stressful they're absolutely the most they're tough animals to handle they just they just do not want to stay pinned up they're always causing trouble so um as much as i love eating goat and how easy they are and how i never have to feed them do consider the stress of goats my wife hates goats she she absolutely will tell everyone she knows that she hates goats and it really bothers me because we eat so much goat but that's her opinion she's allowed to have it you know but i just disagree i think we've produced so much goat from this land for free that it's kind of crazy to hate on goats but um i'll tell you a little bit about how i run the goats uh i have like two-thirds of our property fenced off separate and I try as much as possible. I know it's not always what I do, but I try to fence that two-thirds of our property into smaller sections, like quarter-acre sections, you know, with electric netting, and I let them graze that down pretty low. I gra graze, try to graze two-thirds of it at least down, gone, and then I move them to the next section. Um, the bad thing about that is, is got to water them because I've got plenty of pond you know, creek and pond on the property so I don't have to water the goats if they're just in that main back pasture. But, um, so what I'll do is in the spring, I'll usually try my hardest to find some goats and get them for as cheap as possible. People are always giving away goats. Uh, little weaned bucklings and stuff like that. They're, I mean, they're almost always free for me. Um, actually, shoot, I've probably gotten seven free goats in my life and that is a lot of meat so keep your eyes peeled and people will start to figure out once you're that guy that eats goat you will start to get free goats from people i had a neighbor behind me give me two giant meat goats males and he was like i just can't keep them I'm like okay you know what i'm gonna do with them I said yeah 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 um i just can't keep them i'd rather them go to a good home and i was like <laughs> Um, my freezer but I didn't butcher them I let them I got them in the spring so I let them graze keep my property maintained and then winter time came around and all the leaves when the last leaves fell off and the goats were you know had done their job we put them in the freezer two giant meat goats I mean it was probably um, probably close to 150 pounds of meat I mean they were big goats so anyways pro yeah probably 100 pounds of meat no they're about 70 pounds of meat and bone each so yeah about 100 pounds of meat anyways i'm ranting again so that's how i do goats i run them water them let them graze you know if you don't have a ton of trees and overgrowth and brush and stuff um the same thing except just do sheep and I don't know a ton about sheep because I have way overgrown underbrush and trees and all that. And it's a constant forest. So I'm battling the forest back. So I have all goats. But 
if you have the similar thing going, uh, try sheep or sheep and goats in a mix. Um, just make sure your sheep and goats are compatible with each other. But I like to do goats because they are just unstoppable browsers. They will eat everything as high as they can reach all the way down in the ground. Um, I don't let them get that far, but that's that's the way we like to do it. And it keeps your place looking almost like a park. Everything's cut to like five foot tall, and everything is mowed down to the ground. I mean, it's beautiful, but um, that's why goats are such a huge benefit. And that's why they're almost, for almost everybody, they're worth having. If you don't want to spend the time brush hogging your property all the time, or if you're not going to hay it to start out with or stuff like that. Um, so goats is my big definitely do if you can handle the stress load because they will get out a few times before they're trained but if you train them right you can make it work um, from there you've got your goats you've got your orchard you've got your fence um, my big things is start to line out your property how you want it set up so the orchard obviously is placed based on what's going to work for your climate. You know, you don't want it at the very bottom of a hill and you don't want it at the very top. You want it facing the right direction. You want it to have good drainage, blah, blah, blah. So you've, you kind of have less choice as far as where your orchard goes. But from there, we want to, and obviously protect your orchard from your goats. Goats will destroy an orchard. So these are two separate items, goats and orchard. It's very hard to run goats in an orchard. I mean, you've got to have a ton of fencing, and they've got to be well-trained goats. So, or big trees. Big trees, then you can run goats, because they'll only eat the bottom stuff. So, that's what I think about goats and orchards together. But now, you've got that lined out. Let's start lining out our other stuff. Um, you want to pick a garden spot. The garden needs to be close to the house. It has to be close to the house. Put it close to the house. There's even... Opsec reasons. I would still, I would almost sacrifice a little opsec and let people know you have a garden. If that's you know, if that's a consideration, I would rather sacrifice a little gardening opsec for having it close to your house. Because if it's not close to your house, you're not going to do it. You're not going to deal with it. You're not going to pick the fruit. You're not going to uh, pull the weeds. You're not going to do the stuff that you need to do to keep it maintained. So put it close to the house. Absolutely, always put your garden close to the house put in your perennial berries and all that stuff but don't for now we're not putting in our garden um i do the wood chip method back to eden method so i put down a layer of cardboard just right over the grass just mow the grass scalp the grass flat which is putting your mower on the lowest setting and cutting it um weeds brush all that stuff just cut it flat and then lay a layer of cardboard or what we use is feed sacks and we just barely overlap them but i have i get paper feed sacks from my my feed source and i use feed sacks and i lay them down all across the where the garden is going to be or if we're expanding the garden i'll lay them down and then i'll take whatever type of manure i can get my hands on and lay it on top and then i'll put wood chips on top of that and i mean a ton of wood chips um a lot of people hate that method i love it it's pretty awesome if you ever need to get 
uh, weeds out. You just go out there with a the pitchfork, stab them into the weeds, and they flip right over. I mean, they come right out. So that's what I do. Wood chips are super easy to get a hold of. Just call every arborist in your neighborhood, in your community, and call them and say, hey, listen, I know I may be out here a little bit, but can you please drop me some wood chips? If they say no, then offer them a little money. Say, hey, what if I give you 50 bucks cash for that load of wood chips or whatever? Or what if I come up there with my truck and you dump them into my truck or however? You know, what if I meet you at a job and you shoot a load of chips into my truck? Um, there's ways to do it. So just call around to the arborist and just tell them what you're doing. Tell them you need some wood chips. And you will almost always get them for free. So uh, that's how we did it. I've got like, shoot, I've got like 10 inches of wood chips on my garden now. So we're just establishing a garden. We're not putting any plants in. We're just establishing a garden. So that's uh, project number three. Then I would, if you're a prepper, not just a homesteader, if you're a prepper, I would start setting up your water catchment system. You're going to catch rainwater off your house, off your roof line. Hopefully you've got gutters on the house you bought or the house you built, whatever. Um, so start catching that water. I mean, two 275-gallon totes, and now you're up in the 550 gallons of water. And there's plenty of people online that show you how to do that. So uh, rain catchment, and that's all I'll say about that for now. Um, after we've got a rain catchment, now we're going towards the livestock we did the goats because goats are i mean although they're a huge meat source for me they're more of a grounds maintenance um, crew so that's my big deal that's why goats are kind of before i get into livestock stuff so now we got our goats um one thing that i really just did wrong is i just didn't keep it controlled and maintained as far as my poultry go so now I have I have ducks and now I have an issue because my ducks are everywhere and I can't catch them all I mean I can catch any duck I want with the 22 out here my own farm ducks they're not wild ducks so don't get crazy on me but I can't keep them maintained I can't keep them contained they are all over the place. Luckily, I have a good neighbor that's kind of patient with me. But there's probably 40 wild ducks out here. Not wild, but loose ducks of my own doing. And I can't catch them. can't contain them, which is awesome because I'll have food forever. But it's also terrible because I have ducks everywhere. And they poop on stuff. So, if I could do it over... I may not even get ducks, or I'd get maybe three hens and a um, three ducks and a drake. They're called females are called ducks in the duck world, interestingly. But what I have are called Muscovies, and they are um, an unstoppable breed. They actually don't cross breed with uh, regular ducks because they're different species. So they produce kind of a mule type offspring which is only good for one generation then after that they're all they're all sterile so um, so I don't actually recommend those so I should stop ranting about those so much but that's a big mistake I made is that the ducks were just not any good they were horrible um, 
we got a ton of eggs from them and then they started getting loose and they're they hatch 20 ducklings sometimes at a time and even with the heavy predator load i still ended up with like four or five ducks out of almost every clutch so now this i'm just swamped with ducks so ducks is not a good one but one thing i would do if i was starting a new homestead is i would start smaller i would start with black soldier flies and that one may be confusing and it may be a ton of work but think about this what is the number one issue run on to into with livestock on a homestead or livestock in a prepping situation <sighs> should have been drinking coffee instead of green tea um the big the biggest problem i see with the prepping with livestock is food what do you how are you going to feed them in the winter that's a huge issue i mean you can cull out most of your herd for the winter time and just have your breeders that you're going to keep around but that doesn't that still doesn't help you a whole lot i mean that doesn't it helps you a ton but it doesn't get you down to not needing any feed and where i live i'm kind of central but everything's dead winter time there's no green out there except for like evergreens you know which nothing eats so that's something to consider and so that's why i would go with the black soldier flies to start now hear me out this is insane it's a ton of work but if you get your black soldier flies established, you can feed them almost anything, and they'll eat it. Now, you got to keep them warm, but not real warm. you got to keep them decently warm. But you could do that with a greenhouse and some geothermal, which I'll talk about in another episode of how to make geothermal. Or you can do a compost-heated greenhouse. Anyways, whatever. There's tons of ways to do it, but black soldier flies would be a start for me. I still haven't done black soldier flies because it's kind of one of them things. It's like, man, I've got goats, I got rabbits, I got chickens, I got ducks, I got all this other stuff running. I really don't have time to deal with bugs, you know. But if you started out with them, you would definitely have time to deal with it. So um, I would love to have started with black soldier flies because now you've got a self-harvesting feed for your poultry for the winter time. And the produce from them is compost and maggots. And maggots are obviously a great meat source for chickens, ducks, uh, quail, anything like that. So they're producing feed for your chickens, ducks, and quail, which you can actually freeze and feed to them in the wintertime. You know, thaw them out and then throw them to them and they'll still eat them. And it's a great protein source. If you got in a pinch, you can totally eat those. You can fry them up and eat them. I don't, I'm not saying they're going to be delicious, but you've got a food source from that. And all you have to put in is rotten food or food that you're not going to eat, excess food. So it, we can't get a closed loop. Obviously, we, it'd be super hard to get to a closed loop, but that's our goal is to get as close to a closed loop as we can get on our homestead. So that we don't have any external inputs. And, you know, if you guys listen to Jack Spearco, he's super negative about that. But let's just get as close to it as we can to that, you know. Just because it's not ever achievable 
doesn't mean you got to bash the concept, you know. That's a jack rant. Anyways, so um, black soldier flies produce larvae, and then their compost, their manure that they produce, is excellent for your garden, excellent for all of your plants. So just consider that and think about doing those. Excuse me. If I wasn't going to do black soldier flies, I would probably do red wigglers. The bit, the big reason I would do black soldier flies over red wigglers, even though they're way more complex in their life cycle and they're harder to figure out, is because I think that red wigglers are too picky. They don't eat meat. They don't eat cheese. They don't eat any type of dairy. You can't feed them bread. I mean, you could probably feed them a tiny bit of bread, but you're not supposed to feed them bread. You're not supposed to feed them citrus. You're not supposed to feed them fish. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Basically, all they eat is green matter. Um, that's just frustrating to me. But if I wasn't going to do black soldier flies, I would do. Um, I would do this. I would do red wigglers because at least you're making some progress. You know, at least you've got something where you can put your your excess organic material into and get rid of it. So that's just something to consider. Then uh, what else do we have out there? Okay, so now we've got all that stuff done. Now we want to go to stepping it up a little bit. And now that you've got red wigglers or black soldier flies established, check this out. Now you can start producing quail. And quail can't run straight on red wigglers or black soldier fly. But you could make a pretty decent shot at it using those. And it would take a ton of them to feed a chicken. But a quail is actually a pretty short life cycle. And you might be able to run quite a few quail off of black soldier flies. But at least you can get your inputs down quite a bit. So we can get closer to that no inputs needed. So that's just kind of what I'm thinking I would do if I could do it again. Another thing I would look into is putting in a decorative fish pond. Um, decorative fish ponds are a lot of work, but it's an excellent source of water if you keep it clean. You know, you've still got to filter the water, but it's not going to be near as bad as like, shoot, it's probably better for you than your tap water with all that fluoride in there. So it's an excellent source of water. Um, if you're out of water for a minute then uh fish oh fish you could grow minnows in it which are totally edible you could grow little native meat fish of any kind you probably can't grow uh, it's it's really hard to grow like some of the more commercialized species in a outdoor pond because the natives just do so much better the natives are just ready for it you know what i mean the native fish are more capable of dealing with the environmental conditions. So that's just something I think I would do pretty early on is start me a fish pond again. I don't have one right now, but I've gone to the local pond show um, last year. I'm going to go again this year, and then after I go this year, I'm going to start my pond. So. 
a green tea is delicious. But that's my plan. I'm going to I'm going to start a pond this year. Um after I get these goats butchered, you know, then I'll probably look into that. Um what's another great one? Another great one I think is rabbits. Now hear me out. If you don't know about rabbits, I'm not even going to tell you about them because I'm just about to produce an episode about rabbits because rabbits are, I think, one of the best homestead animals ever made. And that's kind of a dramatic statement, but once you hear what all rabbits can do for you, you will have a hard time disagreeing. So um, let's talk about that next week. Let's not even cover rabbits right now, but let's just save that one. But rabbits are awesome. Rabbits is a good one. They're um, they're definitely micro livestock. If you're wanting to go exotic um, and get real crazy, look into the cooey. I'm going to make an episode on cooey, and you're going to love it. Um, if you don't know what cooey is, it's spelled C-U-Y. Then you can look it up on... Uh, YouTube, there's very, 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 very few episodes on Kui. Um, but look it up. I'm not even going to tell you what they are, even though there's some awesome uh, info I can give you on them. Look up Kui as a backyard livestock. Grass-fed, can be tractored. The only thing is is that they do need some vitamin C. But we won't get in that. Vitamin C is super cheap. You can actually buy it in bulk, and you can put it in their water. So... Cooey's an option. Those are just a few of the things I would do very first. That's probably actually pretty daggum close to the order that I would do things if I was starting over on a homestead. So, anyways, um, we'll try to have a call-in episode here pretty soon. So, you guys, let me know what you think. Thanks for listening. You guys are awesome. All right, see you.